Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. We're week two of our vision series on restoration. Everyone say restoration. Let me recap John chapter 11 for you. It's um, the most amazing, amazing passage. Do you know why I love it? I love it because we see in um, John chapter 11, like a powerful Jesus, but a very gentle Jesus. He is so kind and He meets us exactly where we're at. So um, He loves this guy named Lazarus, like loves this guy and um, his and Lazarus's two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick. And, uh, and so naturally, uh, Jesus is like the one that he loves. He's going to go and heal. But it's so strange. Jesus delays in getting to Lazarus. And uh, I actually find that so encouraging written on the pages of the Bible that Jesus was like almost late to the party from our perspective. Because so often we feel that way. But it's, it's in the Bible, people. It's not just isolated. He's not just forgotten me. <laughs> um, in our limited perspective, all of us have that feeling that God is delayed sometimes. Yet how many people know that God still has a plan? And His plan is literally better than our plan. Better. And, um, and anyway, Jesus ends up going um, to where Lazarus was buried. He has this amazing interaction with both the sisters, um, Martha and with Mary, right? And He ends up calling Lazarus out of the tomb and Lazarus goes from death and decay and he is restored to life. He's literally restored to life. Um, so amazing. Yet in the middle of this, of this passage, we see a very, very interesting interaction with the disciples. Like very interesting. Now, I, uh, I fall guilty sometimes of judging the disciples too quickly, thinking like, oh, what fools? Like, you know, as if, as, as if they do that. Yet with a little bit more introspection, I realise I do exactly the same thing. And there is this interaction with the disciples, particularly one named Thomas, that I just would really love to come around the Word tonight. Is that all right? We're going to pick up the story in John chapter 11 from verse 7. It says, Then Jesus said to His disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, the disciples said, A short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, won't he get better? Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. This is my favourite verse and does make me chuckle, chuckle when I read it of a morning when I'm going through John chapter 11. Um, this is the person that I judge most often in the Bible. Um, then Thomas, everyone say Thomas. Thomas. Thomas says, also known as Didy- Didymus, 
Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. And I've got to ask the question tonight, is Thomas being cheeky? Like, all right, sweet as, yeah, let's go die then, Jesus. Yeah, great idea, Captain. Let's just walk straight into our death. Oh, you want to go wake up Lazarus? Yeah, well, you're going to have to wake up us as well. All 12 of us actually, and yourself. Good luck. Is he being cheeky? Or is he articulating something that happens on the inside of us, inside of all of us, when God says it's time to restore? Do we have a Thomas response that says, yeah, right, Jesus. I've titled this message for people taking notes, Our Twin Thomas. Because I have noticed, uh, fun fact, Thomas, Didymus in Aramaic means twin. I have noticed that there is one side of me that is full of faith, ready to go. Let's take the world, Jesus. I'll go wherever you want to. Let's take this. And at exactly the same time, I'm saying, oh yeah, let's open that wound again, Jesus. Oh, great. I've been disappointed before. Let's get disappointed again, Jesus. Oh, great idea, Jesus. Let's walk ourselves right into pain. Fantastic idea. At the same time as I've got all of the faith, uh, faith, there's a Thomas on the inside of me that is trying to rip me off from what God wants to do in my life to keep me away from the place of restoration and keep me stuck in the past. We all have a Thomas. We all have a Thomas. And let me list some of the problems I see with Thomas on the inside of me. All right? Thomas wants to keep things isolated away from God. Lazarus is dead, but I'm not, Jesus, don't go near my dead Lazarus. Thomas wants to play it safe. Thomas on the inside of us says there are more important things to attend to than restoration. Thomas um, prioritises self-preservation as the main goal in life. Thomas wants a clean and well-presented exterior, a nice 12 disciples and Jesus, and doesn't want to get involved in the mess, the decay, the pain and the bad smells that come along with restoration. Thomas wants us to placate the past and just numb it, sterilise it. Just, oh, I'm just going to pretend like it never happened. And just preoccupy myself with something new that's coming. Always something new, something more shiny, something better. Thomas wants us to say exactly where we are. And Thomas wants us, Thomas on the inside of us wants us to be a timid, quiet and pacified church that doesn't believe that Jesus can truly restore at the same time as moving us forward. That's Thomas on the inside of us. But in the story, we see as well as there's Thomas and his arguments, we see that there is a Jesus Christ on the, alive. And Jesus, on the other hand, says, nothing is, nothing is meant to be hidden from me. He says, I care about every detail of your past. Jesus isn't interested in playing it safe. He's not interested in self-preservation in the name of fear. Jesus is not afraid of the mess and decay and the bad smells. Jesus is not afraid of our questions and our disappointment. Jesus is moving His followers forward 
while simultaneous restoring every little detail, turning, around, turning it around for good in the life of a believer. And Jesus wants a brave and courageous and faith-filled church that says, God, if you're in the business of restoring things, then here's my list. So tonight, if you don't mind, I'd like to bring you three faith statements to quiet down your inner Thomas. Three faith statements to quiet down your inner, inner Thomas. When Thomas rises up on the inside with all of the doubt and all of the questions and all of the self-preservation and all of the excuses and all of the just, let's just pacify the past. Here are three faith statements to move forward in our relationship with God. Move forward into restoration. Move forward into the future God has for us. The first one is this. When, when Thomas rises up, we say to Thomas, Jesus has always had a plan for this. Jesus has always had a plan for this. Now, for a, um, for a while, I, um, I, <laughs> we go through phases in life. Well, I do anyway, certainly me. I went through a quanda phase. Anyone been through a quanda phase? Yeah, okay. I've seen some people that didn't lift their hands, but I know you're with me, okay? So um, I, went, I, I was on a quanda phase. Chris Reen, you know what I'm talking about? Okay. All right, Quanda is, um, used to be like the best television show on Australian TV until Hamish McDonald like ran it into the ground and now it's terrible. Okay, I don't even know when it's on anymore. No one watches it. But it used to be great, right? And it used to be fun and saucy and, you know, I felt like I was contributing to like, you know, the world. Um, okay? And, but I was never brave enough to ask a question. So this, this TV show is about politics and current affairs. It has a live audience. It has guests um, like from, me, from all of the spheres, political, education, media, all of these spheres, right? And uh, people in the, in, in the audience can submit a question ahead of, ahead of time and um, you can ask your question on live TV. And I would never do that because, like, though I want the edginess of it, I don't, I don't want to do that. So, anyway. Um, but one time I was with my friend and he asked a question. He, he submitted a question to, to, you know, air in front of the entire Australian public, if you know what I mean, um, as Australia gets a cup of tea and gets ready for um, the nation to shift, right? So, we get there. And uh, we're sitting in the live audience. It's about as big as this section over here. And they begin to read out the questions that have, um, that have got approved. And my friend Aaron gets his question approved. And so what they do is one by one, they get the camera and they zoom up and they get the position of, of each question asker. So when it gets to Aaron... I say, I yell out. Um, I don't know what on earth I was thinking. It was so embarrassing. I yell out. Can I be in the shot too? And, and in, 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 in not so nice words, like a lot less nice than what I, they, they basically told me to please be quiet. But I was determined I needed to be on TV. This was my one shot. So he's like question number three. It's about, you know, nine... 9.15 on a, um, on a Monday night back then. And, uh, and Tony Jones, the amazing Tony Jones, says, our next question comes from Aaron. And you can see all the cameras go zoom. 
And this microphone appears above my friend's head, just like floating there, right? And my, my, my friend is there and I'm here, right? And I'm like, I have to get on TV. So I do this. And, and, and I lean into the shot, right? I lean into the shot and I'm like this. Well, if you were watching at home, you would realise that the camera was already on me. I was in the shot. And on national television, ladies and gentlemen, I, on national television, there is this Fruit Loop guy that goes like this on national television for no apparent reason. Sometimes we feel like we have to work to get in the shot of God. That for our restoration, we have to work and manipulate circumstances and be a Thomas and figure it out on ourselves of how to get into the shot of God. We say we don't want to follow God into danger or into bad smells like because, um, you know, Lazarus was decaying in the tomb. We don't want to follow God into heartbreak or to pain. So we, we decide we know how to get into the shot of God though. And the whole time, the eyes of Jesus were always on your restoration, the perfect plan of God for you that He had not forgotten you, that you didn't have to work for this. You just had to trust, Thomas, that by following Jesus, He would give you your restoration. That when after two really hard years, and I've seen many, many, many people lose the very, like, the very virtues that make them who they are, right? They've lo- I, I, it's the most heartbreaking thing to see the people that... W- the God characteristics that so define them, but they get numbed over these two years, right? And so often we don't, we don't want to open ourselves up to the disappointment maybe. We don't want to, we, thought, we feel like, oh, maybe it was just the maturing of like what I had to go through, you know? Maybe that was just like the younger version of me, right? And we start to Thomas it out. Start to Thomas it out. Yet God says, the Holy Spirit is there saying, I will lead you. You don't have to figure it out by yourself. You just have to, in faith, follow me. In the circumstances where the inner Thomas rises up, we say, no, God always had a plan to restore this. God always had a plan. Verse 4 of John 11, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Before you even lost it, God had already had a plan to bring it back. To bring it back better than it was before. In Jesus' name. And I prophesy over any person that has lost the very essence of who they are in these last two years. That before you even lost it, before you feel like you just, you can't even find those gifts or that, that, that inner God, um, that God dynamic that you had a couple of years ago, before you even lost it, do you know He already had a plan to bring it back? He already had a plan to restore it. That plan, He's literally whispering it to the, the depths of your heart tonight. And He says, if you follow me, if you don't make, don't do what the disciple Thomas did, follow me and I will restore. The second faith statement when the inner Thomas rises up is Jesus isn't finished until he's finished it all. 
Jesus isn't finished until he's finished it all. Jesus isn't finished until he's finished it all. You know what I've noticed? Is that Thomas likes to distract himself with the new shiny things. That there is probably a miracle that could happen apart from Lazarus, right? That doesn't involve mourning people. It doesn't involve pain. It doesn't involve opening a tomb. Let's just go find another sick person and heal them. You know, we like to distract ourselves away. But God says, no, I am the author and the finisher of this journey of yours. And He says in Romans 8.28, He says, I will turn all things for good for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. And what does that mean? He's not finished until He's finished it all. And, and, and we fall into the lie of thinking that, 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 that God must not care about that area of my life. And it's okay, preoccupy myself because He does care about this area of my life. No, the heartbeat of Jesus is I care about all of you. I'm not finished in your life until everything is turned around for good. So if you still have an unfinished area, if you still have an area of your life where there's still some things to be mended and made whole and restored and turned around for a good purpose and turned around to glorify God and turned around to testify to the power of Jesus, He's not finished yet. He is the God that doesn't stop until He's done. And that every time I run away or exclude Him or come up with a myriad of excuses as to why He can't use me anymore or can't use that area of my life or why I should just pacify that particular experience of mine, He is the God who says, no, I will use it all. I am going to finish it all. The third thing that we say to our inner Thomas when he comes and he makes excuses as to why. And he says, yep, sweet Jesus, we'll follow you to our death. When he mocks Jesus, we say restoration isn't just what my God does. It's who my God is. That His presence in my life is restoration. That we remember those verses, some of my favourite verses in all the world. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Say, it says, being confident of this, that He who began a good work in, in you will can carry it on to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. Psalm 138 verse 8, the Lord will fulfil His purpose for me. The Lord will fulfil His purpose for me. I declare that over anyone right now where you feel like God has forgotten about you, where you feel like God isn't the restorer, God couldn't be the restorer of my story. I declare God has not forgotten you. He will fulfil His purpose to you. He will fulfil His purpose. I, um, I, I lived for many years in Kernel. Um, now, if you know anything about house prices, um, Kernel is the place to buy, apparently. Like, prices are skyrocketing. Um, but let me tell you a reason why you shouldn't buy in Kernel. <laughs> is that okay? Okay, so um, well, there was this one period of time. Um, <laughs> uh, where for about... A month, I lived at the end of a cul-de-sac and we had about 12 portaloos 
on my front lawn and they had delivered portaloos to every street in Cornell because the sewage system had blocked up and no one's toilets were working. And so for a month, <laughs> for a month, the world in Cornell was using portaloos. I'm talking, you'd go out at 9.30 at night, right? <laughs> and you'd be saying hello to their, your neighbours in, in their pyjamas and you're like, yep, just go into the, just go into the toilet. True story. Now, I want to tell you about a miracle, okay? I want to tell you about a miracle and you can grab onto this miracle and claim it as your own, you know? I, I, had, I have two toilets in my house. One of them was blocked and, you know, glad wrapped for particular reasons. The other one though, I didn't know where that stuff went when it was flushed, but it was going and I was praising God. And I just felt like I had the miracle power of Jesus in Cornell. All of these people, all of these, uh, you guys unfortunately got the short end of the seat. You guys were using portaloos, and I had my own private throne. Here's, here's what I feel. Is that there are areas in our life, right, where something's gone wrong and we came up with a system to manage the wrongness. A portaloo. A portaloo. But to fix the original problem, like Lazarus, it says he's decaying for four days, right? Four days he's decaying. To fix the problem, well, the sewage system in Cornell to be fixed was going to require some very smelly and disgusting work. Some work that we wouldn't rather do. Some work that we'd like to pay other people to do. But in our spirit right now, there are areas where I just feel, why on earth are we still using a portaloo? When we have Jesus Christ, who doesn't just restore as the occasional thing that He does. Jesus Christ restores, like He is restoration coming into my life. He restores my relationship with God. As I journey, He is the restorer of my soul. He is the one. It's not just what He does or one day per week or a couple of hours. It's who He is. And He asked me the question, Jackson, why are you using a portaloo? I'm coming to redo the system. Coming to mend what needs to be mended. I don't want you living, managing and getting by. I want you thriving and living to your full potential. There are, Alyssa and I were away last week and we didn't get our cards. So we're sitting there today and we did our, our faith cards. And it is scary. It is scary putting certain things on the faith declaration card of what God is gonna restore. And there are things that like, I don't want to confront there are things that, you know, quite frankly, that I feel have been done to me that I don't want to open up that wound again. And, and I've forgiven, but I don't want, if it goes badly, I don't want to have to forgive again. And I don't, want that, that, I don't want that process. I just want to pacify the past and move on. Right? But God says, no, the very fact that I'm in your life, Jesus, uh, Jackson, Jesus says, that, the very fact that I'm in your life, He's like, I am, I am not, Restorer, I am restorer. I am restorer. Like in here, I am this whole year and forever, but particularly this year, I'm going to lead you. 
every step of the way. Every time you say no to me, you say no to restoration. Every time I'm gonna speak to your life and I'm gonna say, I am gonna knock and I am gonna say that ministry call on your life where you, you, you've, just, you've just switched off the, the feeling, right? That God could use you in the ministry space. God says, it's been two years too long. I'm switching it back on. I'm fixing the pipes. And where God says there are relationships and friendships and, and certain things that have just gone to the wasteland and have become like a damaged sewage and you just, like, you've just pacified it. You just found a coping mechanism. God says, no, I'm gonna lead you step by step to restore. The person that's lost their passion, the person that's lost their ability to trust people, the person that has just pacified, you've lost your convictions because who really cares anymore? The person who's lost their touch with their gifts. God says, I am restorer. And the best part about it is, this is a whole nother message that someone else will probably preach and I cannot wait. But He is so gentle. This isn't like a commandment. This is a hand-holding, right? This is a hand-holding. I will lead you to restoration. I will lead you to see your Lazarus walking free and clean and whole. I will lead you to that point where you say, my gosh, I never thought Jesus could do this. I was even too scared to ask the question, God, could you do this? Yet here I am. I speak this, that we will be there in, 2020, uh, in December 2022. You'll say, here I am. Holding the hand of the very thing that I thought I'd permanently lost. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? We're going to go into a time of ministry, but I first and foremost want to invite anyone who doesn't know Jesus and you're hearing about Him for the first time. You, you've never experienced the power and the forgiveness of God. Right now, all over this room, I know there, there are people and the Holy Spirit knocks at the door of your heart and He says, let me back in. Let me in, I will forgive every sin. He says, where there is brokenness, I will bring healing. Where there is hopelessness, my presence will bring the most intense hope you've ever experienced. Right across this room, I know that there are people where there is a war going on on the inside. Do I give this Jesus a shot? But, but it doesn't make sense. But all of these excuses, the inner Thomas rises up and says, no, figure it out naturally. Just plan your way out of this. But can I tell you, you will never regret saying yes to Jesus. You will never regret opening up your life to Him. There are, there are hundreds of people in this room right now that, that literally believe. They are so convinced. We are so convinced. It was the best decision we ever made. Right across this room, it is just one prayer away. Jesus makes it so easy. He makes it so easy. And I just declare over you in advance that this year is going to be the year of restoration for you where you will see parts of your life turned around by the power and the presence of God. You walked in here tonight, not knowing Him or not believing in Him. He was just something that you got taught for one hour a week in Scripture. You walked in here like that, but you will leave here with the Restorer living on the inside of you. He is just one prayer away. Jesus makes it so easy. Those who believe in their heart that He is Lord and confess with their mouth that He rose from the dead, you will be saved. So right across this room, our church is gonna help you pray this prayer. Say this after me, say, Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus 
I come to You tonight and I open up my heart to You. I lay it bare before You and it's a pretty messy situation. I acknowledge my need of You and Jesus Christ, the One who paid the price for my sins and rose again to give me new life. Come and restore my story. I declare that today I'm forgiven and set free by the power of Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, it was that simple. Believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth, it was that simple. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.